0: Welcome to Killer Women with your host,
1: best-selling author, Danielle Gerard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air global radio network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegerard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now... Danielle's next killer woman.
0: Welcome to Killer Woman podcast. I'm your host, suspense author, Danielle Girard, And my guest today is Jennifer Hillier. Jennifer imagines the worst about people and then writes books about it. She's the USA Today bestselling author of seven psychological thrillers, including the national bestseller, Little Secrets, finalist Los Angeles book Los Angeles Times Book Prize and Anthony Award winner, and Jar of Hearts, winner of the ITW Thriller Award and finalist for the Anthony and McCavity Awards. Her novels have been published in 22 languages, and her new book, which we're going to talk about today, Things We Do in the Dark, is out July 19th. A Filipino Canadian born and raised in Toronto, Jennifer spent several years in the Seattle area before returning home to Canada. She's a Seahawks fan, but she married a Packers guy. They have a young young son who looks most like her when he's crying. Her favorite author is Stephen King, but whose isn't? She's afraid of the dark and can't sleep unless she's checked the locks on the door several times. She loves writing when it's raining, sleeping when it's sunny, and reading after everyone else has gone to bed. She cherishes her family, those who read and those who don't. Her friends, those who write and those who don't. She currently lives in Oakville, Ontario, with her husband and son. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, I'm happy to be here.
0: This was. I'm even. I tried to match. You know. I was trying to match my cover. i love it. This I love is it. such a beautiful cover. And actually, I, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Something special about this cover because I saw on um, social media. But first, mm-hmm. tell our um, tell our listeners uh, and our viewers about things we do in the dark.
1: Oh, the elevator pitch. Okay. Yes. Thanks. I know.
0: <laughs> Come on. Which I'm terrible
1: yeah. at. You know. I stumble through them. Um, things we do in the dark is my newest psychological thriller, and it stars a woman married to a much older celebrity um, and her husband turns up dead in the bathtub behind her with her holding a straight razor she's arrested for his murder and as the media frenzy begins to happen um, she is more terrified that her secrets from her past are going to come to light almost than she is getting charged or you know convicted for his murder so um, there's a dual timeline happening and things we do in the dark and it's partially set in Toronto for the first time which is my hometown Um, so it's half in Seattle half in Toronto and um, it stars a Filipino uh, protagonist for the first time
0: which is okay so first of all I'm going to add a little to your what this woman wakes she basically finds her husband dead in the bathtub and from the shock she Slips and falls and knocks herself yes. out. So she yes. basically and all this is in the beginning. So yeah. this is not a spoiler. It's like, yeah, right. No, it's not, it's yeah. like the first yeah. scene. And she, you know, wakes up to somebody screaming because the uh, yes. her husband's assistant um, has sh- shown up and found them. And of course, she looks. She's holding the straight ra- a straight razor. US, which course. is how he does So it's like, oh, he looks. She looks really, really guilty. It looks uh, really and, bad. yes and her alibi's not quite squared away, and so there's a lot of, yeah. kind of scary stuff happening for her. But um, the The timeline deals with her, the main character's name is Paris Peralta, um, mm-hmm. and she, um, we deal with her 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 very difficult childhood, as well as, um, of course, the stresses of her current. And then there's a third character who I like so much, who is a um a journalist, um, who is also involved, and he's journalist quite,
1: turned podcaster. Yeah, Drew. <laughs> he's
0: quite fabulous. I'm. I'm oh, good, i I'm glad. I, I really adore Drew. Um. So, okay, so let's talk about this because so one of the things that's interesting about this book, um, I, I think is how horrible this, the main character's mother is, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and you, you talk about- Yeah, she's terrible. She's, t- I mean, no, I mean, and, and, and one of the things you comment on, and I'm skipping around sort of in the, in the things I wanna talk about, so I'll have to come back, but I wanted yeah. to sort of talk about this because it's so interesting to me is there's a, there's a comment by the mother about how she is a horrible person, mother, because mm-hmm. her mother was horrible. Yeah. And I thought it was a really interesting thing. So I was gonna ask you, right? Because of mm-hmm. course, one of, the, one of the big questions that, that psychologists as well as authors are confronted with is the nature versus nurture. Um, yes. So, you know, what do you think? I mean, is there, what's the balance? You
1: know, I think can it's, evil I be think born? It, I think it's both, you yeah. know? And I think what's interesting is that Ruby, who's the mother in the book, who says to her daughter, um, I'm a bad mother because I had a bad mother. You know, that's probably Ruby's only um, self-aware comment the entire book because basically she's unredeemable. And I wrote her that way because I didn't feel like I wanted her to be sympathetic. This is just a, she's a terrible mom and she does awful things and there's no excuse or justification for that. But her one little comment about how I'm a bad mother because my mother was a bad mother, I feel like these are things that are passed down. I think our moms, and I'm a mom, so I can say this too, you do the best you can, right? And you do the best you can and and you hope and pray you're not going to fuck up your kids. It's so true. But I don't think, you know, I don't think, and maybe that's true. Maybe that was the best. I don't think, I don't think I give
0: her enough. enough, I know, and I'm not giving her credit because she really
1: was a terrible mother and and she knew better. Um, But she has a sister who was raised by the same mother. Right. And her sister, Flora, did not turn out that way towards her own children. And so I feel like partially there's something off about Ruby, probably from the day she was born. Right. And then the way that they were raised um, in the Philippines, in this case, contributed to those whatever in, you know, internal personality traits. Right. Right flourishing the way that they did but I don't know that it happened for Flora so it's it's both I think
0: right right and it is I mean it is so interesting that she is that you're right that is like the only self-aware thing she talks about that she sort of mentions in the whole book because she is um and her daughter is really so self-aware right so aware of sort of how she was damaged by that and and how she lives her life you know she uses her mother in some ways as a you know, a contrast, it is, I'm going to, everything that Ruby did, I'm going to not do, which I love about that, so yeah. I'm backing up now, because I just think that, that was so interesting, um, and it seems to me that, you know, that, that, that the mother, Ruby, really blames her upbringing, but like you said, Flora, and Flora's not like, She's not winning any she's motto, not an though. angel either you know no. she's not very
1: kind to her niece no. but at the same time she doesn't abuse her children the way that Ruby abused her daughter. so right it's uh it's a uh, yeah, it, it was fun writing Ruby though, you know, because when you're writing right. a character that has like that gives no <laughs> gives no, no fucks, right Yes. in terms of in terms of the one person who loves her the most right will treat whoever, however, um, there's a freedom in writing a character like that, but there right. were times when I felt like I needed a shower right. you know, after writing scenes with her in it because I'm like, that's brutal. Um, but I was inspired by, I saw a Netflix documentary a couple of years ago as the idea was percolating called um, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Okay. And it's a Netflix documentary. It's like a four-part series about a boy who fell through the cracks of the system. He grew up with a really abusive mom and her boyfriend was really abusive. And he died at the age of nine. Um, Mm -hmm. He was malnourished. He was uh, horribly beaten throughout most of his life. And when they did the autopsy, right, because the the boyfriend and the mom were on trial for his murder, the amount of injuries they found was just devastating and heartbreaking. And, you know, the teachers were sort of aware, but they didn't do enough. The social workers were sort of aware, but they didn't do enough. Right. And this kid just kind of got missed. And so that was the inspiration for Joey. a yeah. that was what happens if you're in this environment where no one, everyone kind of sees, but doesn't, right? you know, and right. so then you you get missed and then this is your life, right? right. Oh. Whatever and the opposite so- of winning the parent lottery is, is what happened to Joey. So,
0: yeah. And that's, I think it's so prevalent, right? I mean, this is something that happened. Joey is such a real character because of course the scenario we know it happens it happens every day, all the time. So it does, it
1: does. And it's a hard thing to watch. And when I started to watch it, I was understanding why people were like, I'm trying to watch this documentary, but I can't, I right? just can't, right. and, and you're I, saying, thought, I get, it. It.
0: You're saying and about I get age, it. And I get
1: it. I know he's seven. Right. So yeah. I, and Gabriel was eight. Right. So I yeah. fully get it, but right. I felt obligated to watch it. Like when right. I started, I'm like, you know, this is why he didn't get help is because we got Wait, uncomfortable more. and we looked away. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch this, you know, four right. hours of awfulness because I feel it's the least I can do is to see what happened to him, right? You know, right. and to and to make myself aware, you right? Know? It's so true,
0: and I think that that's one of the reasons we write fiction, right? Is that we're we're taking, you know, we're we ta- we're taking really horrible scenarios and bringing them to light in a way that, you know, that makes them digestible, but also yeah. hopefully raises awareness that this stuff really happens you know yeah it's both selfish
1: but also kind of a public service in some ways where you know like you said we're taking something really awful and really and really prevalent um and and it's selfish because I know that for me I want to make sense of it for myself and so writing about those dark things is a way for me to kind of understand right where how high why this happens and also to give myself a little bit of a happy ending in whatever way Right. I can in a fictional world but also you know it does shed light so I mean I know that I'm sure it's the same for you but reading growing up it teaches you so much empathy it teaches you about different people's lives and their right. lived experiences right and how else were we going to learn about that you know so we learn that through books a lot so
0: I think not enough people read you know yeah, I, agree.
1: I agree I agree and I do
0: think it's the only opportunity you really have to be you know in somebody like in the life of somebody who grew up like joey or a person of color or you know for someone like me who grew up like you know i'm pretty vanilla it's an opportunity <laughs> to live um, a lot of different lives and i think that is i think that's so valuable i you know i wish i my daughter is really a reader my son is not a reader and i wish i could you know i mean it is what it is because they it's yeah. that's a weird thing about children They you can I'm right
1: same them. environment right same right. influences and one takes two and the other one doesn't
0: yeah, yeah. maybe maybe he'll, he's only 20 so there's no there's there's hope, right so <laughs> he has to gonna, find that magic book <laughs> yes I keep I keep looking for it for him um so it's so interesting because you you know I love the idea that you just mentioned that that you'd watch that Netflix documentary a couple of years ago so that I so how does your process work how you know what you know you were inspired in this instance by the documentary. Do ideas percolate for you for a while before you start writing? Are you percolating something new while you're working on something current? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I think for me this it's always starts with a seed, right? And the and the character I could see most clearly actually when I started thinking about the book was Ruby was the abusive mm-hmm. mother. And I wanted to dive into the abusive mother and I actually thought it was going to be Ruby's story. You know interesting. Um, but then when I watched that show, I was like, I am actually more interested and what would have happened had Gabriel lived?
0: Right. So he died,
1: right? He died at age eight, age nine. What if he had lived? Would he have grown right. up to be a monster too? Right. Would there have been any hope of him living a normal life if he had children? Would he pass that down to his kids? And that became the more interesting question that I wanted to answer. And so Ruby's in it, but it really did become about you know her daughter's story. Um, but it's a—I'm uh, not great with book ideas and interesting well I, you write fabulous books so tell, you know I you know the thing is it's kind of like getting a little bit of a drop and then squeezing it like yeah. <laughs> yeah you know I get maybe a good book idea once every other year basically that's the book pace I'm on and I will stick with it I'll be that you know I will I will be all over it and I will wring everything I can out of it because I know that there isn't going to be another idea coming that's and it's awful um, I have friends who, yeah, I'm sure you're this way too, who have lots of ideas and oh you're ready God. to do something. I know. And, you know. and there's like, oh, I have another idea. Oh, let me finish this first. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. this is the only one. I get yeah. one bus that comes by every two right, years. Right. So right. I don't right. get on that bus, I miss yeah. it. So, so it you're, sucks. You're
0: squeezing, <laughs> squeezing blood from the turnip as it were. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Um, but I, but that works. And I love that you're, you know, there's so many people and I feel this, you know, I feel this. The pressure from the industry that you're supposed to put out a book a year and it's yes I'm like that is and I you know I I have done that in the past I'm <laughs> not to do know, you know now. do you know no I'm mean, no I I, my last I'll have a I have a novella coming out this week um yeah but I couldn't do a full yes. I know thank you I couldn't do a full book this year I was like yeah I just the paces and there are people you know and I talked to them they're like they could they write a a Jamie Lee uh, Lynn Hendricks was saying, saying the other day she wrote she wrote a book in 6 weeks. I'm like uh, what? That's insane, you know. It only happened
1: to me one time I did write one book ironically with the other Filipino character in it. Um, my third book I wrote in 7 weeks and That's it insane. will never happen again.
0: <laughs> well, don't you got to manifest it.
1: Jennifer you got to be like I just I don't well I you know I just met my husband and we were like in that sort of dating honeymoon yes. stage. Yeah. and we were a long distance and i had a trip planned to go see him in 7 weeks um and i'm like i need to bang this out because i want to enjoy my time right when i'm visiting him and not have this book deadline hanging over my head and i finished it in 7 weeks and it will never happen again well, that was my you, incentive was <laughs>
0: yeah and your life is so different let's be honest you know having a family yeah. not living. Yes. i mean if you were alone in a bubble for seven weeks, I'm sure you could do something oh, it amazing was, too, I was but, on
1: my own, right? I had my own yeah. apartment, so I was, you know, I could write whenever, you know, right. no kid, right? So right. I it all the time in the world. And that, that's gone. <laughs> those days.
0: I yes. have an empty nester, but I still don't feel like it's, you're still just, the no, kids even though they don't live here, you it's, it's just different. life it's, right yeah, yeah. well it's and so, i'm not an
1: empty nester obviously but i can imagine always being a mom and having those same thoughts and how are you and checking in and right and i'm sure it never goes away so and
0: they call with some you know they they can't figure of out course. something about something and you're just it's right. always and of course if your kid right. calls even if you're in the middle of something right you're like you're don't always bug gonna get
1: your phone you're always gonna get your phone you have you're to answer it get your
0: you phone, have to answer, so <laughs> um so, okay. So that, then one of the things you say in your bio is that you, you imagine the worst in people and then you write about it. So I always think it's interesting to like, so you obviously, I'm assuming grew up in a very, you know, normal, healthy. Normal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too. My mom's always like, what happened that you, this no, is I had, you I had
1: a very good child, very safe
0: childhood. <laughs> yes. Right. So what, so where does it come? Like, where do you think this comes from? This, like that our thoughts are so dark and that, you know, we're,
1: I blame my mom my mom oh, is great and she's nothing like Ruby although she looks a lot like Ruby when I saw <laughs> pictures of my mom from back in the 70s when she was in her 20s 30s I five foot eight you know long legs long oh. black hair very glamorous that was my mom back then so yes. um so Ruby is a little bit like an individual part of Ruby it's like my mom but my mom loved thrillers she has okay. been a fiction reader forever and she liked the dark stuff. She liked Stephen King and she liked, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Dean Koontz and, mm-hmm. you know, all the big names from back then. And they were what was lying around. Interesting. And so when I had finished kind of going through my Sweet Valley High phase, which I yes. was in for a while, right? Of I course. We books all were. one through 50. I was so proud of that collection. Oh my gosh. Um, I made the jump into her stuff, which was yeah. a dark adult fiction. And so I think it comes from that. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I think. I think I just like trying to make sense of things that don't make sense, right? Yes. I think that's the, that's what we do, is we try I to think explain that, it to ourselves. I think that's ourselves. Right.
0: understanding the people yeah. that that do horrible things, I think it's so interesting. Um, yeah. And you also, as an author, you have to motivate it really well. I mean, that's what's in, you know, that's what's interesting. I think about um, about you know about Ruby um, about the decisions that Joey makes. Um, and even the decisions that sort of the peripheral characters make that we learn more about, you know, in the course of the book, and I'm not going to say anything else about that because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, they, the reasons that they did, the, they do these things, it, it, it makes sense for them, right? We, we can look yes. at it and be like, this doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense uh, for, you know, for their lives. And I think that's a really well done thriller is when you can be in the point of view of a horrible person and be like. I get why they did that. And I kind of you know? get
1: what led to this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think my, fav- my favorite thing about writing is, is, and this is like a, a thing that I aspire to, is to create characters where anyone could be the protagonist, anyone could be the villain. I love when those lines are blurred because no one's perfect. Yes.
0: No. Um,
1: And I have a theory that, given the exact right unique set of circumstances for each person, we're all capable of murder. <laughs> I said, that was like, that was my next question. Um, is, are we all capable of, right? I think the nicest person who would never hurt a fly, given the right situation at the right time in that certain frame of mind with whatever murder weapon might be lying around, you, I think, I think almost everybody is capable of in that moment, doing something right. terrible. Well, I, we think, horrific. I mean, and <clears throat> protecting our children, right? That's the first thing yeah. that comes to mind. I, protecting I, children, self-defense or yes. just having a reaction, right? right, right. Um. And, and realizing a minute later that was, you just did something awful. Right. You know, I'm and really no surprised like- when you, yeah, like when you watch a true crime show and and the, the evil thing happens, right? Yeah. And it's like, God, that was fast. It happened in like 10 seconds. That was a 10 right. second thing. That then changed everybody's lives, that then, you know, spawned an investigation that ended in a trial that put this person in prison, but the thing happened in 10 seconds. It's a forever,
0: Um, right? It's a moment. It is. And that's a that's another really I think that's a a really good point is like it's just this, it's just like a little crack, right? That and under the right amount of pressure, it just explodes sort of everybody. Um, I, I think, think so. I, I, think people are not surprised to hear when I admit a hundred percent, I, in the right circumstances, I would kill someone. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course, if I somebody, would are, if I if would somebody around
0: us dies though, you know, they're going to come looking at us. I'm yeah, happy.
1: exactly. Hey, we have you on a podcasting. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. The circumstances are these the circumstances. So, right, um, right. oh God. So, okay. So, um, I, I, so we talked a little bit about this, um, at the very beginning that this is the first time you've had a, a main character who's Filipino. I thought it was, and I have read a couple of your earlier books and I was, I haven't read all of them, but I of course read a few and love them. Um, and I, I, um, I thought it was really interesting that you that you used your own background and so, and so, Rich, and so what made it, like you haven't done that in the past. At least you said mm-hmm. you did, it, one book had a sort of a more minor character who was Filipino, but you have never yeah. had a protagonist. So what was different? Like what made you, so how did Joey end up being- you know, Yeah, that's, it's a
1: really great question. And um, the best I can answer is that when I started out writing, um, I don't know that I felt anyone would be interested. You know, this was back in 2008 when I started writing my first book, Creep. And my protagonist at that point was half Asian. She was half Chinese um, because I saw her as having some type of ethnicity. I didn't see her as being a white woman necessarily. I didn't feel comfortable to me to write about a white woman. I didn't know how to relate to those experiences on the page. Mm. But I also remember being really hesitant because I wasn't sure if this was what publishers would want, if this is what readers would want. I hadn't read a lot of thrillers specifically that starred characters like that at that Mm time. Um, And I think over the course of the last, you know, 14 years now the landscape has shifted and I think we're starting to really embrace more diversity in books, diverse authors, but also diverse stories. Um, I don't consider myself really an own voice writer um, where I feel like I have something to say and I want to sort of put forth a a, a social message. But I do feel like I do have a voice and my voice is specific to, I'm a first generation Canadian to immigrant parents. And I grew up speaking only English. I don't speak Filipino at all. When I try people, my family laughs because I sound terrible. Um, But yet you get treated that way because people see you and they're like, oh, she's Filipino. And they ask, you know, if you speak it, they assume that you do, or they assume that you know everything about the culture. And it's weird because I'm Canadian, but maybe not Canadian enough. And I'm Filipino, but in the family, maybe not Filipino enough. And so it's sort of this strange space to occupy. And it takes a long time to make sense of it. Um, and so I think when I sat down to write about Filipino characters, it wasn't so much that I had done that purposefully. I think that was always what I was going to want to do. Yeah. I just feel like now maybe people are open to reading about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think I've always been aware, like, I don't want people not to read my work. So right. I've, I've been, yeah, I've been, I've been, and also too, I don't want to be unintentionally uh, wrong about something, you know, because right. readers get mad when you don't do something exactly right, or there's something they incorrect. In your book. They'll email you, they'll talk about it. I right? know. And so right writing about Filipino characters as a Filipino Canadian, there's pressure to make sure that you're not one, saying something that's wrong, but also, two, doing it in a manner that's respectful of the culture. Right. It's and interesting. so I was yeah. really nervous about this book because they're all bad guys. <laughs> well, that was the bad thing I was going to say. That's so right. interesting because- Like they're not, <clears throat> I was finishing it going, I wonder what my mom will think of this because the Filipinos, some of the Filipinos in this book uh, right. are, <laughs> I'm you're not you're portraying the, them as these perfect people, but right. again, Filipinos, just like everybody else
0: yeah,
1: have right. their flaws. And I right. didn't want to sugarcoat um, that life anyway, right. you know, so it, it was a blend of things, but it just felt really natural and organic, right? Um, you know, that Ruby was Filipino and that Joey was Filipino and Paris is Filipino, you know, yeah, it, it just... It,
0: it's so funny to me too that you you know you mentioned that you didn't necessarily feel like you could you know writing a a, a white woman or um you know, and that's a, it's an interesting change in the dynamic because my um for you know my my early stories I have uh you know I have a a black um protagonist um and I have a a gay protagonist in a book yeah. um which felt risky to me yeah. at that time because that book came out in oh god I'm I'm gonna make myself sound so old but it was like you know, 2009 or something. So, yeah. you know, and I, I think it's risky. Now I feel like it's so funny because I love these characters and, and my black protagonist, who's a homicide inspector shows up in books, uh, He, you know, even recently. And there is a sensitivity, like, am I allowed, you know, am I yeah. allowed to yeah. do this? Um, yeah. And, and you know, we've seen so much, you know, there's so many yeah. book examples where people get in big trouble for for writing about something like, you know. Um, yes. And I think, God, but if all we can write is the little tiny person we are. It's very
1: limiting, right? Right. Um, Boring is that? I mean, for me, I would have no problem personally with, you know, let's say a white author or a, an author who's not Filipino writing with a Filipino character. Right. I don't doesn't bother me one bit. I would just probably be more irritated if there was something flat out wrong. Right. About right. something portrayed in the culture or whatever. I would be like, ah, maybe there's right. a bit more pressure on you as a non-Filipino person. Do your research. About Filipinos. Yeah. You better get it right. And that right. is an expectation I would have. And so when writing Drew... Who right. is Black. Um, right. And I don't really specify his background, but I imagine that his, he's from Jamaica, but he's right. he, born and raised in Toronto. And I felt a definite pressure in a way right. that I didn't feel writing a character named Jerry, because in my first two books, actually in books one, two, and four, there's a, a Black detective turned private investigator named Jerry, who's a huge mm-hmm. character. And I remember not thinking about it as strongly back in 2010, 2011, right. Right. as I do now. Right. Um, but I think it's a good thing that we're all being really aware that you know what if you're going to portray a character that's very different from you, right? Um, you know, make sure that you're that you're doing that as accurately respectfully as possible right you know so this book had two sensitive us two sensitivity readers
0: (laughs) because i asked i had a filipino
1: sensitivity reader just to check me and i had a black sensitivity reader um just to make sure that i wasn't playing on any stereotypes or writing anything with the wrong language because that can be very offensive to people too
0: right it's so interesting and i do think you know <clears throat> to your point, it's, you know, it's, we're much more aware, but I also think we have to, be, by actually writing the, the, the point of view character of a, you know, somebody who's not like me, I, I feel like I'm learning something, right? Because you, yes. you have to, you get into their, as a writer, you get into their shoes um, to kind of live their you know life and you watch, you know, whatever you interview people and watch people and, and sort of, because you have to assimilate to their life in a way that Obviously we don't, it's much easier to write just a you know a white woman. But you're yes. still, you know, any character you write, you're you're getting into, into her world.
1: But it's true because none world. of us are serial killers or <laughs> you know, or rapists <laughs> right. or the things that we right. or the things that we portray. And it really it really is fiction. Um, but again, you know, it's just a matter of I think being considerate, you know, right. of of what you're trying to say and is there a reason why you've chosen that character to be that way? Right. Or are you just wanting to fill a diversity <laughs> slot in your fiction? And right. I ask myself that a lot too, Yeah, you know? Um, and and in my, you know, and in my mind, it's like, no, everyone is exactly how I see them and, it's, and it matters. Yeah, You know, and I think if you can say that to yourself, I think you're probably okay.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, that I do think that one of the things um, that I always reminded myself is it's not a gr- like I never wanted that those characters to be like, if you only have only one black character and he's the bad guy, like you know that, that kind is, of thing, that kind of yeah. you have to be. Yeah, I understand that. Like, I wouldn't yeah. want there to be like a whole host of black people and the one white woman is the, you know, exactly. You know, I mean, it's just exactly it makes it feel like a, you know, a stereotype or a trope or exactly. And, and, exactly. So
1: that yeah. So to, to your point, oh, but, but see, that's an awareness. That's great, yeah. right? Like, that's exactly how it is. So in my book, you know, everybody's bad. Yes.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, Filipino, I mean vietnamese <laughs> actually i don't have any black villains but no none but all the asians are pretty are pretty terrible
0: that <laughs> to <laughs> <my> <laughs> extent, i i mean i don't think of joey as being i don't think of paris or joey really as being yeah you know, they're just they're survivors
1: survivors right? and um that's the circumstance they were in and that's the circumstance that they had to kind of live through and, and yes. make decisions based on so yes you know but again it's that sort of gray area of yeah you know, there's well, a lot
0: of moral gray yeah a lot of
1: moral <laughs> a lot of moral gray here <laughs>
0: yes a lot lot a lot of moral gray uh which i love because that's something you do um you do so well. And I was, you Thank know, you. of course, so I, in the end, I, I want, um, I loved the end and I mean, I love the fact that, well, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I love <laughs> Thank the, you. I love that. Yeah, shh. Um, but I was going to ask you because the characters are so vivid in my mind. And I, obviously I imagine they're so vivid in your mind. And I, people ask this, and it's, it's, you can just tell me it's a stupid question because I think it is really <laughs> probably a stupid question, but do, do you have, like who would play these, who would play Ruby and, Ju- and Joey and Drew? Oh if they're my actors gosh.
1: isn't that so hard it is that is so t- it's tough you know for yeah. ruby i see my mom as ruby and she's not an actress <laughs> and she my mom is 80 now so she you know she's too old to play the character but a young ruby is my mom and yes. in terms of looks and for joey i don't know you know um i'd have to probably do some research on who right. the cool tween filipina actresses are these yes, days exactly you know um But it's hard, they're they're all kind of, I don't see their faces so much as I see their shadows. I don't know how clearly you see a character, but for me, um, they're they're shadows of people. Um, And I think, yeah, and so I write them that way because I also want the reader to be able to fill it out how they want to. Yes, yes. You know, I get really tripped up in a book when someone's like, she was wearing a pink shirt and black leggings. Right. And, you know, her proportions were like, and her hair was this long. I'm like, it's too much. Right, right. (laughs) My brain is trying to put this all together. Right. Um, Just tell me she was brunette and we can move on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or whatever, right? That's, and that's true, actually. And that's the thing uh, that's interesting about Drew is
0: really, you know, we understand, you know, Joey and and Ruby's um, Filipino, yeah, so in the background early on, Drew's description is black. And of course, I understood, of course, I, I knew that he was black, but it's much more subtle. It's not a like,
1: you know, Yeah, and I it, that's that's a purposeful thing, because yes. you know, living as a woman of color, I don't think of myself as a woman of color. Right. I know that I am. And when when I'm forced to think about it, of course, that's how I would describe myself. But um, in my very first novel, and I've told this story before, um, so it's not like a secret I had that half Asian character and my editor at the time back in 2010 had said, so she's Asian, right? And she had an Asian last name. Yeah. And I said, yes. And she's like, well, can we just make sure that we emphasize that? Because I don't know if readers are going to know that she's Asian. And I'm like, well, I mean, the name kind of gives it away. Right. You know, and I feel like references to to certain things I I mentioned that she's a Chinese father I mean I don't really know more but what she was looking for was a physical description so Uh that the reader would instantly know and I thought but why does the reader need to know that it doesn't play into the book in any way and so I actually um had to write in a reference into Sheila's dark Asian eyes uh-huh. And I'm like, ugh, yeah, that I doesn't know. feel right because I don't look in the mirror as I'm putting my makeup on, going, look at my Filipino eyes as I'm doing yeah. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not something I- we think about. So right. I'm careful with descriptions that the character themselves would not describe themselves that way, but people around them might make note of it. Yeah. You know, so you might so Drew, you know, might mention that Joey is Filipino, and that's how we cement that maybe she is, or there's something that someone says to them about that. And for Drew, you know, um, he's a black man. I saw him as, as a black man from the beginning. But you know, there is a, a sentence where he's arguing with Ruby, where he says, I'm a black man, right in the context right. of the thing, but I don't I think it's up to the reader to interpret how they see the characters based on mm-hmm. um, little descriptors I may give. And so right. even Deborah, the social worker, um an early reader didn't pick up on the fact that she was black as well Mm -hmm. and she is and that's okay it it doesn't necessarily play into the story in any massive way but I did describe her dark skin a couple different times I did say that she that drew um that she reminds drew of his mother you know and so if you pick up on it great if you don't that's okay yeah you know but again I I kind of leave that for the reader to interpret but if there's something I need the reader to know right I will tell you that you need to know this right you know right the rest of it is is kind of
0: I like that because I mean, that's the thing, like you said, like, how do we describe an Asian person? I mean, we're just going to talk about that, then it becomes a stereotype, right? The Asian eyes, right? I mean, yeah.
1: Well, I think that because for so long, the default in our character is in fiction, especially commercial fiction, especially in thrillers was white, white men, white women, right? That I understand at that time, my editor saying, let's be specific here and let people know that she's Asian. But also she's saying that through a white editor's lens Uh uh to say hey as a white reader i was confused i'm like well as an asian reader i wasn't you know right um so it also depends on the lens and so but i appreciated the feedback Um, but what was interesting though is they re-released that book in 2021 so they they basically repackaged a new cover on it allowed me to write a new dedication and a new acknowledgments and, um, and I said, you know what, can I take another stab at some of the edits? Because there's a couple of things I want to tweak. And I went in, I took out those references that I was asked to put in because I'm like, right. Hey man, right. I feel like I can say that now. And as yes. a debut author in 2010, who didn't know anything, yeah. you I didn't argue. feel like I could, I, I didn't feel like I could push I back. And now it's like, you know what? I know that I can. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me, let me just Good take some you. of those references that always bothered me for 10 years. Yes. Isn't it wouldn't them. it be
0: fun to get to ch- a chance to rewrite some books that are already out in the
1: world? I oh, love it Oh god, idea. I know. I mean we I could know. spend our lives rewriting. We could like. going, yeah, yeah, I know. A thing of going, what did I say that was that was not correct? Right. Well that <laughs> well, is- did, you know oh. that and I actually heard that um, I think I read on Twitter that Laura Lippmann had had been doing that, had been going through some of her her very early work. Um just yeah, she she was just checking to make sure that everything was worded well, you know, and um, times change, oh, right? And, boy, and language yeah. we're so much more aware now of what language is unacceptable. Right. Um, I mean it always was, yeah. But now we're aware, right? In a way, yeah. I we're getting people before. are getting
0: called out. They're getting called yeah, out exactly, for rightly exactly. so. Exactly. And, um, rightly so, yeah. But I but yeah, it is a little scary actually, because exactly. you know. Yeah, I mean, what the stupid stuff we did, it's like having your, it's like what our children are going to face because every single thing that they ever do is going to end up on video and and I know
1: everything's doc. I know. I always feel like I'm one bad tweet away from getting canceled. (laughs) Seriously. Like I know like realistically, what can I say? But I've seen it happen to other authors where they have had some kind of day and posted something and the next thing, you know, yeah, it's, a (laughs) you know, they're um, kind of done. You know, for a bit at least. You I know, the, I've seen it. Yeah. And...
0: But I think those I think there is something I think we're smarter than that. I'd like to think we're smarter than that. And that perhaps yeah. as women we would ask somebody before we like, I want to say this thing. Is this out yeah. of line? And then yeah. somebody would be yeah. like, Yeah, you can't you can't say that, you know. You say that, say that. <laughs> don't say that. I <laughs> you know. don't really don't say that. So um so I want to talk about this cover because I, I think I can see the one in um in your background. Oh yeah, I the-
1: when Tell us the different.
0: special. Um, is that going to be with all the books? The special. No, no. It was a special
1: thing that the marketing department put together for um, an exclusive list of bookstagrammers that they so were going to send cool. it to. It's a marketing thing, right, to get them excited about the book. And so I believe it's a sticker, and they um, put the sticker okay. over top, and the sticker glows in the dark. So so cool. when you turn the lights down, if you turn them down part way, it glows silver, and then when you uh-huh. turn them down the entire way, it glows like green it's so um, cool and it's neat and so that's that I was I was really excited when they I'm like oh, that's such a good idea but you know we're, we live in an Instagram world now oh uh, we, so do, we do don't we to increase visuals on Instagram right
0: um, oh god it's so much pressure I'm so the social it's media so lives,
1: much pressure it, it is
0: it's like you it feel is. like you know it used to be that I just sat in the basement and, and wrote and there was nothing else yeah. really for me to do
1: And I kind of wish it was still like that, you know, and especially with the reviews and and all the instant feedback that we writers get. And there's so many ways we get it now. It's not just, oh, your trade reviews come in. It's also, well, there's a blogger, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's TikTok. (laughs) There's (laughs) There's good reads reads, where I never go because I'm terrified of good reads. Um, I actually
0: think the (laughs) smartest thing we can do as authors is not read those reviews because- Yeah. And, you know, and I I say this almost in every interview is, I think to the people who are listening, like if you hate a book, it's a subjective business, right? You can book that the person next to you will love. And I think giving the author a little bit of grace, you know, you don't have to leave a one-star review or if you do, you don't have to be brutal about it.
1: I I feel like, yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't leave bad reviews ever. Maybe um, either. As, I mean, as a writer, you know how hard it is to get yes. this book done and published and out right. there. And even if I don't like a book and I don't like everything I read, of course, no. I don't want to be the reason someone else didn't buy it.
0: Right. Because I can and be
1: complete. I- my opinion may not matter to you. Right. And I don't want right. to inadvertently say something that turns another reader off. Right. I would hate to lose a, another writer a sale. Yeah. You know? So I would never, right. I never post about anything negative because I just think there's a lot of critics that yes. doesn't have to be me. That's, you know, I'm the same. Um, and I, and I take it to everything. Like, I don't, if I didn't
0: like a product, I don't, I'm not going to review, you know, because it's again, like you said, it's just, there's so much negativity out there. I don't need to tell you that this, yeah. whatever I bought didn't work out for me. It's okay. Like, you know, yeah. I can, so I can, anyway, that is, I agree with that. And that, and it is hard. I think that's the thing that, that, you know, reviewers don't, I mean, maybe it's hard for people to empathize with how hard it is to to read a really brutal review of your book, it, right? It's,
1: it stings because you know that's a year for me. That's two years of my work yes. that went into that, and right. um, it, it does. Really, I mean, I'm better at it now. Yeah, but it it does. It still stings. The odd time I'll get tagged in something, or I'll, I follow my own hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, and I should not because when you're hashtagged in something but not tagged. <laughs> It, it generally is not good news. there is generally going to be not great things in that and i and i for some reason can't bear to unfollow my own hashtag and and that's when i'll see a lot of the criticism i think it's okay but it 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 sometimes it kind of ruins your day oh, but that being shit. said i think that reviewers You know, are great because they can build buzz for your books. Yes, you know, and generally, I think in the community, people understand not to tag authors and, and negative reviews. It happens very rarely, right? And I do think that, but I think that their reviews are for other readers. They're not meant for us. So yeah, if we peek into totally them, true. it's kind of on us, right? I totally <laughs> unless you tag us. me in something, which is just kind of mean. If you well, tag me well, in a really mean one star, that sucks. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. But if you know, if we're peeking at our Goodreads reviews, you know, I had a friend who was who whose book came out last summer, and she was watching Goodreads every day. She was checking her reviews, and there were a lot coming in, and and she and they were upsetting. Some of them were upsetting, and I'm like, stop reading Goodreads, right? Like oh, yeah. they're writing have, these reviews and they're not thinking of you. They're thinking of telling what they think about this book to other readers. Right, so it's right. not for you. Just get, get out of there. And
0: <laughs> Save most yourself. of it, it's like the Instagram, if, if people that are listening have not discovered the bookstagram world on Instagram, that is an amazing place. I mean,
1: oh, it's a loving, supportive, generally extremely positive Yes. community that just loves books and loves yes. telling people about books and loves yes. taking pretty pictures of books. I know, which I'm so um, grateful it's for. It's basically always. all love. And it's usually the, the newbie. Like if I get tagged in a negative review and I happen to click on the profile, it's usually a rammer that's just getting started. Yes. So, <laughs> so they haven't learned, right. So they, they don't, the etiquette yet is like, okay, it's exactly. so totally okay to hate this book and tell everyone that you hate it, but you don't need to tag me. That. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. But it is a wonderful community, and we need them. The reviewers are really vital. To we all know that that's you know, if you love a book and you give a good review, that that is that's a huge tip to the author. Yeah,
1: it it cannot be ignored. I think when I was starting out, I don't know when you got onto Facebook. I think for me, it was two thousand seven, and I had like thirty friends back in two thousand seven, and I knew (laughs) them all in person, right? And now, of course, it's like I don't know how many friends I have. I don't know most of them. Right. I know you that's just so, kind of accept because it's yeah. like, OK, um, and it's very different. And, and but the power of, of social media in certain instances cannot be discounted in terms of building buzz. You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's any metrics that can say, hey, if you have this many followers, this is how much books are going to sell. Right. But I can say that they're good at at, at hyping things up and, and getting yeah. people excited. So I'm and so sharing for that
0: to people that you know don't know who you are yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is that's a really right. wonderful yeah. thing when you have a, a backlist like you do is that, you know, you meet, you find a new reader and that reader has, you know, seven books. To it read. is lovely. Right. And
1: I, it's funny because with every book that I release, um, the backlist sales get better, I you have, know, because for a while they had dwindled. I mean, you know how it right. is, right? You have a book yeah. out that's been out for 10 years and it's not right. even available in print anymore. And right. you're buying it secondhand if you can even find it, but you have know, the digital lasts forever and that's a good thing. Yes. But, you know, they kind of hit a certain period where they're not selling anywhere and that's normal, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then, but with, when you write a new book, you know, and then if that person loves you, they go, like, oh, I want to go back and read everything else, right? which is the best when that happens, then it's the everything, best. everything gets a bump. And so, yeah, there's been, I know. I always tell people. I've been saying this for years that the best thing you can do to promote your book is to write the next
0: one. <laughs> it's so true.
1: It's and actually, you can I spend that's... a year in promotion world, but let me tell you, the best thing you can do is write the next one. Right, which is a really wonderful segue
0: to what 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 are you what's next? I, are you are you fermenting a new idea? What's I am
1: fermenting a new idea, and I can't lock it down. So I have openings of several different novels happening, which is very normal for me um and that happened with things we do in the dark i actually felt like i was writing three different books <sighs> and i probably was and then they all blended together so i Amazing. was able to you know those stories all connected um i'm hoping the same thing will happen this time i'm trying not to second guess my process right right um, anymore because i i used to all well, like this of is course. so inefficient like i need to have an outline i don't outline i wish i could
0: yeah um, i can't outline either so, you can't so either. Okay. no mm-mm. i would i mean and i and i oftentimes write you know, 30, 40,000 words that
1: end up in an out file because oh my I have God, to write my way too. into a book. Me too. I hate it. I am so glad to meet somebody just like that because when I tell yeah. other writers who are outliners, they, they cringe for me. <laughs> They're i know. like, oh my I God, you can't that. work like that. How do you work like that? And I'm like, I have tried to outline yeah. and in the process of outlining, it loses something for me. I can't get excited. I don't know what it is. I wish I could teach myself to do it. I've done it. I've created whole detailed outlines, and then had zero desire to write that book.
0: Isn't that interesting, right? Because it's a process so, of discovery. The magic
1: is in the discovery. You're right. Yeah. You know, For me, know that that thing. If I if I know even the twists, I don't know until they until they twist. I know. You know, or the I reveals, know. I don't know that until they're revealed. And people are like, oh my god, I saw that coming from so long ago. And I'm like, did you? Because I didn't know until the seventy thousand <laughs> word mark. <laughs> did I, I you know, really? You're like, hey yeah i mean i
0: think but then you know i mean some readers are so freaking smart right they've read so many books that they can but i don't see them coming and i feel like i read a ton and i'm I, a dumb
1: reader i'm a I'm dumb too. reader and i want to stay a dumb reader you know when yes, i read nice. someone's book i go into it wanting to be entertained i want yeah. to be surprised yeah. i want to be knocked sideways i don't i i can't bring myself to spend the entire time trying to get to that reveal before the author tells me, because I just want to float with the author, you know, exactly at their exactly. pace, but I want yeah. to be entertained. So I, I consider myself a very dumb thriller reader. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm going to stay that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, because <laughs> it. it is the ride. The ride is so fun. And if you don't know, then the payoff of that surprise is, you know, tenfold. I feel You're like. right. my daughter reads the end of a book before she reads the book. And I'm like, what are you doing you know i
1: used to do that i hate to admit this i so I, my two horrible writer confessions are one i dog ear my books <gasps> i know okay oh i God. know i know i know i you do that all here. the time you i know some bookmarks i i have bookmarks i still dog ear them anyway um but my second horrible confession is that i used to i don't anymore read the ending of a book interesting. and i'm like why did i do that and now i understand it was because it was so suspenseful yeah. that if I knew the ending, I would slow down and enjoy I the think journey. I but think if I a, didn't know the ending, true. I'd be peeling through and yes. missing all of the little things that make yes. a book really so amazing. Right. I don't do that anymore. Now I read slow anyway, but I we're, used to. We're,
0: I used we're, to we're more endings. patient now. And I think all another reason to do that is I think there's a fear when you get so invested in a character that you're worried that something really horrible is going to happen. Like they're going to die. Yes and so yeah, I, think, like I need to or know dog, this now right or the yes. dog's gonna die or something <laughs> the end.
1: like is she rescued okay she is okay. Yes. yeah I can go she back and I'll enjoy that, this and she, exactly. yeah I know I get okay. it I do
0: okay, okay. but it, it does I just think oh my god sweetie you have to let them you have to let them so um but you know she's reading so we don't we don't we don't argue there's some things we don't need to argue about um well this has been so much fun i i i love talking to you so much and i'm so excited um jennifer that we're going to be at thriller fest for the first time in three years next week although this doesn't we won't no one will be listening to this until
1: well <laughs> after we've recovered from Thriller. by the time you listen to this danny and i have hung out at thriller fest <laughs> exactly <laughs> for the yeah. first time in person in three years
0: <laughs> i'm so excited yes and yeah, be, i'm excited to to come from that too so okay so to to, to close this up here Tell us, uh, where do we find you? What are your favorite social I know, social media places? What's your website address? All that good stuff.
1: Yeah, my website address is jenniferhillierbooks.com. I'm on Facebook at Jennifer Hillier Books. I'm on Instagram at Jennifer Hillier Books. Twitter, Jennifer Hillier. And uh, TikTok, sadly, with my 40 followers, uh, Jennifer Hillier Books and my three videos. <laughs> you're, But I, I have to say, you're 10 a million times braver than I am because I have any,
0: I, I, I'm not sure I can go there. So I'm really glad you're, you're doing that. And I love I'm trying. Jennifer Hill, your books, that makes it all so easy. I, all my inner difference, very confusing. So, oh, really? um, well, this, you, this will be out, um, July 19th. Um, is that right? July 19th. And it yes. is so fun. So engaging, you know, you are going to Start early in the day so you don't end up uh, up all night. It was really wonderful, and I love you know. I did. I thought all the characters as horrible as they you know as horrible as the things that they do are. um, They're they're aside from Ruby, she's unredeemable, like you said. But the rest of the characters (laughs) are really wonderful, and I think thank you you do such a wonderful job of creating, you know, bad behaved but wonderful characters.
1: So thank Thank you for sharing. That's a huge compliment, especially coming from you, someone I admire so much. Thank you so much, Danielle.
0: Thank you. And this was Killer Women Podcast, a part of the Authors on the Air Global Network with my guest, Jennifer Hillier. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.